listeners, it's your host, Daisha. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving holiday if you're here in the States. Today, you are going to hear a rerun because of said holiday uh, with Wesley Horner. He's a great guy. He's a two-time guest on The Classical Classroom. And this one is about Beethoven's Seventh Symphony. Honestly, I chose this episode because I heard the piece on an episode of Mr. Robot last night, and it was so good. And, and I actually heard another Beethoven piece while I was on break this weekend, too, in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And I mean, like, think about that. This dude wrote this music, like, 200 years ago. And it's been on my TV twice this week. And in both cases, it was completely perfect. I mean, that's a feat. That might even be, like, how you become immortal. Anyway, I hope that you enjoy this episode and that you will continue to help us become immortal in the podcast world by subscribing to our show on iTunes and rating and reviewing us if you've got some time. All right, that's enough of me. Enjoy the episode. There's a rumor going around that classical music can be hoity-toity. But here in the classical classroom, we beg to differ. Beethoven 5. <laughs> Isaiah is shaking with excitement oh, here. I mean, there's just so many great parts of the opera. He asked me to play his favorite spot in the first movement of the Brahms. And then he said, I started using those licks in my guitar solos. How to be classical music rock stars, because there's not enough of that in this business. Occasionally, I would plug in the mandolin to my distortion pedals. <laughs> I don't change my voice. And talking to classical I, music voice. <laughs> I'm playing classical music now. I mean, it's, it's yeah. the same 12 notes. That's what's so cool about it. I'm Daisha Clay, a classical music newbie, and I'm trying to learn all I can about the music. Come learn with me and the classical music experts I invite into the Classical Classroom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Classical Classroom. I'm Daisha Clay, and today my instructor will be Wesley Horner, who's been a guest in the Classical Classroom once before. Wesley is an independent producer. He is an author, a documentary filmmaker, a Peabody Award winner, and among his many resume entries, he's been an executive producer of Performance Today and you helped develop from the top, or do I have that backwards? You helped develop Performance Today. And- I t- launched Performance Today. So okay. I was its executive producer in its first few years. Uh-huh. And from the top, I produced all the pilots oh. where we established the format, okay. basically. All right. Although it's been significantly enhanced by my <laughs> successors. <laughs> a lot. It's a great, great show. Yeah. Um, uh, today, Wesley wants to teach me all about Beethoven's 7th symphony, but the second movement, because apparently the entire yeah. symphony is like, you know, like an entire day long or something like that. Oh, I, well, it's not as long as that three-hour Bach mass I we talked about the last time <laughs> I was right. here. I yeah. It's just eight or nine minutes, but, you know, something about this eight or nine minutes is so profound. And I, it's this second movement has just been part of my life forever. Really? And uh, I, I, I think about it a lot. When was the first time you heard it? Oh, when I was a kid, my yeah. father had all these classical 78s from when he was a paper boy. Uh-huh. Back in the 1930s, I guess, something uh-huh. like that. Uh, and that's when I started listening to classical music by listening to those old 78s. Wow, that's pretty cool. Those those are actual physical discs you put in this machine, and they go around (laughs) in a circle. 
<laughs> I remember learning about seventy eights because and seventy eights are different than than like LPs, right? They're, yeah, they're smaller. They're, yeah, because I had a record player when I was a kid, and I was very into like you know collecting records, and um, I accidentally picked up a seventy eight once, and I was like. This is such a cool disc. It's like it's thick. And it's I'm gonna yeah. take this home and I'm gonna listen to. I think it was like Sarah Vaughn or Nina Simone or something like that. And um, I got it home and I was like, "Wait a minute, this doesn't work at all." <laughs> yeah. So I got to know that piece. Yeah. And I just I latched onto it. It meant so much to me. And uh, Listen to it for years, memorized it. You know, when you learn a piece of music uh-huh. without ever seeing the music, after a while, you, it's just in your head. Mm-hmm. You memorized it, and then one time in college, I had, I was playing in the college orchestra, and uh, we got to sight read it one day, because yeah. that was part of the shtick for a college orchestra. You, mm-hmm. you prepare pieces for concerts, and then you also learn how to just read things fast. Well, and and you played. Viola, is that I did. right? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Great experience, except you know what? You have to sit right in front of the trombones. <laughs> and, oh my god! You know, you sort of, you're relaxing, you're playing, and then you forget that they're there, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, my god, out of nowhere, there's the trombones. <laughs> did you ever get poked in the head with the? I I kept my distance. Slide. And then there's all that, that saliva on the floor. Oh, that's The trombones leave there. Trombones, the bane of. I'm looking at our recording engineer, a trombone player. <laughs> That's right, Todd Hallslander. <laughs> so it's, tell it's me, okay, Todd, I've gotten over it. <laughs> tell me a little bit about Beethoven, because amazingly, we've somehow managed never to talk about Beethoven. Hmm. So why don't we? Talk a little bit about Beethoven as a person and as a composer. He crossed paths with Mozart, mm-hmm. showed up in Vienna, in town, met Mozart. Mozart said, watch this guy. He's going to be good. <laughs> and then Beethoven went back home to Germany. And when he came back to Vienna, Mozart had died. Mm-hmm. He was an astonishing performer. And in those days, you were pretty much a performer first and a composer second. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons you would write music was so you would have something to play and make a little money because you'd write a piece of music and the publisher would pay you to publish the music and you would make some money that way. Mm-hmm. So he was known as a performer and then, of course, his hearing started to get worse and worse and he had yeah. to stop playing. Uh, he was an amazing pianist, though, yeah. just like... Mozart was. Did he have? And I, I mean, I, I know that he, he famously lost his his hearing, but kept composing. Yeah. Music. Why did he stop playing? Though he kept composing. He stopped playing because he couldn't hear what he was doing, and and he actually did continue to play while he still had a lot of his hearing, but mm-hmm. he didn't know how loud he was playing or how soft. And they say that sometimes he would play so soft. You couldn't hear what he was playing or play so loud that he would break the piano strings. <laughs> right. Now, to be fair, pianos in those days were a lot more delicate than they are now. But, yeah. Yeah, okay. So I guess he went inside his head, and uh, his whole world was inside his head, and what he created mm-hmm. and left for us there. Yeah, that's that's kind of, that's just so mind-boggling. And I mean, I, it kind of makes sense that he would, you know, he would continue 
composing because he had, you know, all those years to to know the music and yeah. internalize the music. And yeah, and I guess some people might say, well, how did he write music if he couldn't hear it? Mm-hmm. But, you know, most composers, you don't sit at the, the, the stereotype is you're sitting at a piano and banging it out and writing it down on a piece of paper. But just, I think a lot of composers don't need to do that because mm-hmm. you hear it in your head, you know how to write that down. Just like anybody's nah. writing a letter, you're writing a letter, you don't need to say yeah. it out loud. You know that you put those marks right. on the paper and someone else can know what you mean by that. Yeah. God, but to be able to do that with music, like to just be so intimately familiar with where the notes fall and to be able to put that down on paper without even being able to 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 really test out how it sounds on an instrument. I mean, that's that's incredible. Well, you know, I, he, he knew how it would sound. Yeah, yeah. He, his experience and skill and mm-hmm. everything else, his talent was so great then, by then, that he knew. If he put that little mark on the paper, mm-hmm. it's going to sound that way. Let's talk a bit about the Seventh Symphony. Do you know whether or not uh, Beethoven was was deaf or, or losing his hearing he when was he on made his, this? He was on his way. Okay. Wasn't, he wasn't losing his hearing significantly. When he wrote the seventh. He wasn't completely deaf yet. Okay. Yeah. All right. And what is it that stands out to you about this? And we're going to have to hear it, I think, to Yeah. Me. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but what to you, aside from just loving it personally? It is one of the most profound melodies I've ever heard the way it starts mm-hmm. and of course because it's in the viola section mm-hmm. it's got to be good yeah <laughs> and the symphony starts with this it that melody just holds all this combination of sadness and melancholy and longing mm-hmm. uh, and you know if i could tell you in words how it feels it wouldn't come close to how does it feel just listening to it yeah it really sticks with you i think it's going to be stuck in my head at least all day why don't don't we go ahead and hear a little bit yeah Those are the violas that have the melody. Now listen to what happens. A little quieter. This is like such an intimate conversation. Yeah. You really have to lean in. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, music when it really works, is a conversation. Mm -hmm. Two people who love each other very much are talking here. Mm -hmm. The violas have said their part. Now the violins are coming in with an answer to that conversation. Mm -hmm. A counter-melody. A 
It's like if I told you something and you said to me, yeah, I know what you mean. Here's uh-huh. how I feel about it. Yeah. These two groups talking back and forth to each other. Yeah, this, this may sound kind of weird, but it just struck me that knowing very little about Beethoven's music, this music just sounds like I would think that Beethoven would sound. I don't know, there's something Interesting. something very serious about it, for lack of a better word. That melody is getting passed around from one group to another. Mm-hmm. It's so, it's so singing. Mm-hmm. It's hard to not move. (laughs) We've come so far from where we started, that quiet conversation. To me, it feels like how it feels when you're talking to someone very, you're very close to, and they just pour out their heart to you. Hmm. That's how this melody feels. I like that. And here's the reassuring part of it. <laughs> this is, honey, there, it's, there. it's gonna be okay. <laughs> I love you and we're together. And this yeah. is good. And then the wind section chimes in with their reassuring note. call this section because it's almost like a like a bridge I think it is like a bridge it's going from one part to another yeah yeah, yeah. maybe it's just my own experience of playing this but this is one of those times when you know I, I memorize this piece and I had it in my head and then one day we come into orchestra and the music is passed around we all sit down, we're supposed to play it. And I already knew it. Uh-huh. I had been hearing this and acting it out in my head for 10 years by then. Oh, wow. So there was no struggle. You know, where am I yeah. going to put my fingers? How am I going to play this? It just yeah. flowed. It's a very flowing piece, how it just sort of... What is he going to do? Yeah. That melody just keeps coming back in different forms. Mm Mm-hmm. 
of the beautiful things about playing in an orchestra, Dacia, is you have 65 people on the stage. And when it really works, which I think is, to be honest, mm-hmm. not all the time, <laughs> you have 65 other people, other souls that you're breathing together with, mm-hmm. truly connecting on some intangible emotional level. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I had that experience playing this playing yeah. this piece. It was one of those moments, one of those unforgettable moments when me and all my friends on that stage, we were, we were truly breathing together. Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting description of it because so many of the people in the orchestra are actually, you're actually like, you're literally breathing rhythmically together. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That must create such a connected feeling Amongst the players. It does. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sort of irreplaceable experience. I think that's when it, when it's when it's working. This is why mm-hmm. people play. Yeah. To get that high. Yeah, yeah. So you know what he's doing now. He's piling them on top of each other. The melodies are getting mm-hmm. faster and faster because people are starting to talk at once. Mm-hmm. Now we're just yelling. (laughs) (laughs) We are yelling, (laughs) but it's still that melody. It's passionate yelling. Yeah, it's passionate. (laughs) I I heard that not so much as yelling as uh, really bearing your soul. Yeah. I think Beethoven did, did that a lot, his music. He would fool you. He would introduce something that, that seems simple on the surface, and you get into it in a few minutes, and he's bearing his soul. And you are too, if you're mm-hmm. playing it. And if you're listening to it, mm-hmm. you're, you're in on that experience. Do you think that's what distinguishes Beethoven from other composers? People just... You know, I mean, he is one of the Mount Rushmore <laughs> figureheads of classical music. Like, what is it that makes him that? It's so tempting to say that a deaf guy with such enormous talent uh-huh. had some key to opening the power of the universe that uh-huh. the rest of us don't. Maybe that's maybe that's true. Maybe his deafness and his being forced to move into an inner world connected him in some profound way with some deeper levels of the human soul Mm -hmm. that otherwise might not have happened. So he had no, did he have no uh, restraint on just putting it all out there? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Possibly. That's kind of how I hear it. Yeah. Do you think that that that, that's what, people hear in his his music that that has just sort of situated him at the the top of the heap is that sort of soul bearing yeah yeah people want that experience yeah i do yeah that's the end of that (laughs) yeah there are a lot of composers that i that i've heard that 
the music sounds a little perfunctory. You know, it's it's it's, it's lovely. It's mm. fine. It's it's you know it's um it makes sense. There are a lot of patterns going on that are very interesting, yeah. but there's not that sort of um, depth, the emotional depth mm. to it. Mm. And did you did you feel that? Oh, definitely, this? absolutely. It's very sort of gut wrenching music. Like it's it's sort of uh, mm. gets into your gets into you while you're while you're listening yeah. to it. Yeah, it's pretty definitely. haunting. Mm-hmm. Yes, haunting. Good word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just, just. I mean, one other thought. To me, music really starts with singing, with the human voice. Uh-huh. And if someone is writing like that, Beethoven did in this piece. Um, you know, of course, it's for an orchestra. It's all instrumental. I, I think it still has its roots deep down mm-hmm. in the human voice communicating. Yeah. And and I hear it, uh, I hear that melody as what it might sound like if someone was singing to me in my uh-huh. ear. I mean, really close to me, yeah. like whispering to me. This is what it would feel like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I uh, I've actually talked to some superstar musicians about about that, and um, and they 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 think of music conductors, for example, as uh, as it's a it's a form of singing whether it's a you're playing the violin or the piano even mm-hmm. which just kind of seems counterintuitive because you're banging these little hammers out mm-hmm. but the object if you're doing it really well is to kind of echo replicate that feeling of it coming out of your body and mm-hmm. through your throat and making a beautiful singing sound and uh this melody fits so well into that paradigm mm-hmm. of being being a a a, a song human utterance the way that you describe it as a, a story a uh, conversation between two people really to me connects to that idea of the of the voice and music for this in this piece it's so obvious because mm-hmm. this one melody is introduced dum, 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 dum. Mm-hmm. and then somebody else takes up that melody and while they are the reassuring yeah. counter melody comes in it's almost like they're they're patting you on the head or (laughs) stroking your cheek yeah you know while you're bearing your soul so this these two melodies are happening simultaneously and it 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 really feels very clearly to me like a sung conversation between two Mm -hmm. two people I really appreciate you taking time out of your incredibly busy schedule to come on the classical classroom again it was really nice to see you it's again. Great to see you, and it's great to talk with uh, to talk with you about music on this level. Yeah, I well, I enjoy the hell out of it because it, it, I, I learned so much. But um, we're gonna miss you when you go back to Cape Cod. It's been nice having you here. Thank you, everybody. If you have a burning question about classical music that you'd like to hear addressed on Classical Classroom, send me an email at dclay at classical917.org. Or if you want to hear past episodes or explore resources related to our topics, go to classical917.org backslash classroom. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.